Hey everyone, welcome back to a very belated uh, episode of Fantastic Lady Day Podcast. Again, I am your host, Carrie Collins. <laughs> it has been, it has been a, a couple of weeks. Um, if you don't follow me on social media, I definitely encourage you to. Um, I give a lot of updates on there. But um, yeah, so I have missed a couple of weeks and... Um, well, the first week I had a really bad ear infection, random. I haven't had an ear infection since I was little, so that was weird. And then, um, and then their last, this past weekend, um, my husband had signed us up for an event through the Navy and it's this really cool program. It's called RWW. It's Returning Warriors Workshop. And basically it's for any, uh, it's what the Navy does for their, um, their active duty members that came back from deployment. It's kind of like a little workshop to kind of decompress and give you resources and all the different things. So they put us up in a hotel in downtown Denver. And it was amazing because it was a Hilton four star chef's kiss. Um, but so just kind of coming off of that, I really didn't feel like, and to be really honest, I just really didn't feel like recording an episode. So I did it. <laughs> Um, but I did want to, we've, we've missed a couple of really big holidays. So father, father's day was this past Sunday. Um, and then we had Juneteenth, um, the following day or Monday, I think it was Monday. Anyway. So, um, I thought this could still be like my father's day episode since I'm still kind of in there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so let's just go ahead and get into this episode and let's start with our opening clip. So a lot of these clips that I have picked for today are just some really fantastic men because, you know, we, we have to, we have to give it to our, to these fathers, you know, making us moms being a part of that whole process. Um, so here's some really, really fantastic men that uh that i wanted to share with you guys though about all the moms that aren't that hot well it's like pizza um when it's hot it's great and when it's cold it's still pretty good (laughs) okay oh my um yeah i just dang it um yeah so i thought that um then we kind of get into some stuff about my personal thing. Um, and I just want to say before, I just wanted to talk a little bit about my dad, of course. And uh, anyway, I um, I just wanted to start this off that I absolutely love my father. He is such an amazing person to like my children and it is very healing to watch my father with my kids and um seeing you know a lot of stuff that that I wish that I could have had in my childhood um not that I don't think that my dad didn't love me but um growing up like I've said I kind of grew up in a dysfunctional family and um and my parents were definitely in a 
toxic relationship. Um, but my dad growing up was just a narcissist, um, to be really put plain and frank. Um, and it really, you know, and as a kid, you're like, you don't know these things. You don't know what's normal to talk with your children and what's normal, you know, behavior. Um, I want to preface, like, I've never been physically abused or sexually abused or anything like that. Um, but I do think that when you live with a narcissist or grow up with a narcissist or have any contact with a narcissist, like, (sighs) it really is mental and emotional abuse because, you know, they don't live in reality and you have to bend to their control and their reality. Um, so, you know, growing up, I just never really thought like my dad was different, you know, now as an adult and kind of going through things with him. Like, obviously I, I had, I've, I've even come to a point where I never thought that I would ever have a relationship with my father ever again. And, um, I mean, the great things that I remember about my dad when he did choose to be present with us, um, he was always, I played soccer. He was always at a soccer game. Like he would get a thrill going to my soccer games and they would allow the parents to kind of be the sideline refs. And he would always be on the sidelines. I'd always hear him screaming. And, um, and that was, that was kind of a a cool thing that we could share. Um, and he would always there, he would always take me on these big long walks. So we have a Creek, we had a Creek in our neighborhood that I grew up in and we would go on these walks in the Creek. He even let me swim in the Creek, which now thinking about it would like, I would never, (laughs) but I was such an outdoorsy kid. So he, anything outdoorsy, like in kind of more masculine, like he was always more inclined to be a part of. And I did grow up like a tomboy and I was, I was an only child for pretty much 12, almost 12 years. And, um, and I was very much a tomboy kind of like my dad came from a home full of boys. So he had no idea how to raise a girl. And I think it was easier for him with me because I kind of fell into a whatever kind of like, I was still girly, but I had, you know, traditionally boy interests being outdoorsy and those kinds of things. So I think he was able to connect with me a lot more than my sister because of those kinds of things. And I think he really was able to connect more with me because, uh, or be able to not be as volatile. I mean, he was, it doesn't negate the things that he did to, to me, but maybe I didn't get as much as my sibling did um, on some level because of some slight connection that we had. Um, Him and my sibling like did not have any connection. They were completely foreign to each other. And I don't think he really knew what to do with that. And I think because I was more of a people pleaser and I was a more of a like, let's just go with the flow. Let's just make peace kind of person. He didn't, he, you know, having control was a lot easier with me. 
And my sibling had a mind of her own and wouldn't, if, if she didn't want to do it, then she didn't do it. And I think, you know, he, they really butted heads because she was more steadfast in what she wanted to do and he couldn't control her. And I think that's where their, um, where their clash came. Um, and, you know, and I can talk about all of my pain and all of my stuff with my dad because, you know, like my parents got divorced a very long time ago when I was 25, actually. And whether you're two or 25 or 55, I think when your parents divorce, it's the years leading up to that are extremely difficult. I mean, my sister was still really young, so I'm sure it really was hard to process with, you know, being an adolescent. But um, being an adult, like I could see, I could see a little bit beyond myself. I could see, you know, through a young adult's eyes with more ex- with some experience behind me. So, not that it was any easier. But I could be more assertive in the decline of my parents' relationship. Um, so, yeah, my, my relationship with my dad has not always been great. I remember up until a certain point, um, I remember my early years, he was very present. He was more present as I became a teen and got into puberty. I just remember him, like, completely not being anywhere except for in disciplinary roles um and then as I grew and got older and became an adult it got more aggressive um with me um when I was in high school I I very vividly remember conversations where you know, we were just, me and my mom and my sister were just surviving through his existence, being his family, and we all three confronted him. I remember we had made a pact, we were all going to be there, and we expressed how we felt, and, you know, in, in typical narcissist fashion, um, they gaslight you, they manipulate you. Um, they're the vic- they're either a victim or a hero. So my dad was a victim that we were trying to change him and trying to tell him how he needed to be instead of truly like listening to how we were feeling and how we how his actions made us feel. There's no accountability with narcissists, and I just remember that was a kind of a poignant moment um, in my life where I realized like, wow, my dad really just doesn't care about me. And, and I only say this because years before even that happened, you know, my dad just in a kind of throwaway conversation really started. I remember he told me, and I remember he told me that he never wanted to have kids. And so taking that trauma and then adding you know, pouring my heart out of like, you're making me feel like a, like bad and negating my feelings that they don't matter, that you're making me feel horrible. You know, that kind of compounded to, there was probably the worst 
point in my life. I think that was kind of like near the end of my high school, like beginning of my college years. Um, it was a really poignant moment where I realized, yeah, my, my dad never wanted me. He doesn't care how I feel. He doesn't give a shit about me, period. Um, but you know, I still lived at home. There was other things, you know, once I had a boyfriend and, you know, things start happening, like as I became more of an adult, still living in the home was not, was getting more aggressive towards me. And, um, thank God, you know, once I graduated high school, I got a full-time job and I could move out. Um, I think if I wouldn't have, I think that would have been, that would have been a very, I think that would have been even worse for me. I think I would have had a lot more mental and emotional trauma. Um, because I feel like, you know, as I was getting older, he couldn't control as much because again, like I said, you know, I was the go with it child. I was the, let's make it, make it, make peace child. Let's people please our child. So I think as I started getting older and I started finding my voice that, um, that he was having a harder time controlling me and what I was doing and how I was conducting myself and just who I was as a person. So um, definitely think, even though I wasn't thinking that way at the time, I think it was very, very good for me to have moved out of that house. Um, and my dad also had, I don't, I don't want to share like all of his story because it's not my story for him to tell, but I just wanted to share like my perspective. There were some very disturbing things that he did that both me and my sister witnessed. Um, that as a woman, as a girl growing up, um, just was not okay. Just wasn't okay. And for me at a very, very young age, I was exposed to some things that a child of my age should have never been exposed to. Um, and, um, it really, I think that really was a lot of trauma even though I wasn't ever sexually abused, it was still traumatic in that way. Um, and so, you know, years, years later, um, I kind of was, I I had started, you know, doing yoga. I started really getting on this healing path because I just always knew that I wasn't put on this earth to struggle. Like I wasn't put on this earth to be unhappy And I knew it was important for me that I needed to have a relationship with my father, whether or not he got to a place where I could actually have a relationship was a whole other thing. But I knew that like, for me to have a relationship with him, I had to take the trauma that he created so that I could you know, it would still, it would still exist. It would still be there, but I could move through it instead of holding on to it. And so I did a lot of, a lot, of, I mean, a lot of stuff. It took years uh, and, and I went in hard. I knew I didn't want it anymore. And I went in hard. I was actually able to heal a lot of physical things that have ha- that kind of got created as uh, a result of his, you know, narcissism on me. And, um, so once my parents got divorced, it got really bad. 
Um, my, my dad had always been kind of like suicidal. Um, he's told me, he had told me many times when it was just me and him that he wanted to drive his car off a bridge or, you know, in some ways he wanted to kill himself. He always wanted to kill himself. And again, as a narcissist, they kind of grasp at all these things to try to manipulate people emotionally and uh, mentally. And so, you know, after the divorce, he just really couldn't believe that, you know, my mom would want to leave him. (laughs) And so um, it got really, really bad. And a lot of the times narcissists make promises and they don't keep them. So really, even to this day, like if people tell me they're sorry, like I don't, I appreciate people who are genuinely telling me these things. But when you have hurt me or caused trauma, it's, it's, it doesn't matter what you say. I want to be able to see the change. And I think that that's true to anybody who's had trauma. And, um, anyway, so, you know, I've, I had heard all the things before, how he was going to change, how it was going to be different, how he was going to do the, you know, and it was just, and it would always be, you know, a little while and then he'd always, he'd revert. And, and this was after the divorce, like he would always revert back to whatever. And I think, I don't know what it was, whether it was therapy, whether it was God, whatever it was in my dad's life. Somehow, I think when he had to go back and take care of his mom and dad when they got older, I think that was a big transition for him because he had never sacrificed anything in his life for anybody else. And when he moved back to South Dakota to do that, I think that was a big moment for him to sacrifice his everything that he wanted. Um, and, you know, as the years went by, I don't know what kind of work my dad did on himself, but he changed. He a hundred percent changed. Um, and you know, it, it did get to a point too, where, um, I remember telling the boyfriend that I was with at, at a time where I was just like, if we ever have kids, I don't want my father anywhere near my children. My, ch- my children will not be raised around anybody like him. So luckily, whatever happened in my dad's life happened and he changed. Finally, it. And the thing that changed was he took accountability. That was all he ever had to do was he got out of his world, his reality, came into our reality and realized he was the problem. And for a narcissist, that's like super hard to do. I mean, that's really looking at the harm that you caused other people. And, um... And once my dad kind of came around and we started rebuilding our relationship, you know, he, he asked me, he's asked me multiple times. He's like, why have, why did you never, you never like ream me out over the coals. And I think that's still part of me that is the people pleaser. But, um, 
I told him, I was like, for me, it was important to have a relationship with you. That meant that I had to deal with all the harm that you caused in my life. I had to hold myself accountable for the situations that I allowed to happen. And I had to forgive you. And I had to ultimately forgive myself for allowing it to even happen. And, um, and I was like, for me to even move forward with you, I had to be able to walk through the things that you did to me. And, and I don't, I don't want to say I blame anybody, but, um, you know, being a child parent relationship, you know, there is a, there is a point, you know, I didn't know you, you only know what you know (laughs) at the time, if that makes any sense. And it's only until I got older that I realized that it was trauma and it's hard to, and I didn't really have anybody to guide me through things or to talk to me about what I'm feeling. Like my feelings were never valid in my family. Um, And then, you know, once my sibling came along, I was just kind of left to figure my life out by myself because my mom was already overstretched and my dad wasn't present like at all. He was just going to work and coming home and sleeping all day. And so I had to really navigate probably the hardest times of my life all by myself. And, um, and that's probably why I have a lot of the issues that I have today. But anyway, I just wanted to say that all to say, you know, for those of you who I, I know have difficult relationships with your mom, your dad, your, any family members. Um, I just hope that my story, that our story kind of gives hope because my family got completely destroyed. I, for the longest time, didn't have a relationship with my sibling and I had a very, very hard relationship, a very bad relationship with both of my parents at different points of my life. And today I can honestly say that we're rebuilding, but, um, but I, it's the best that it's ever been in my life. Um, and I think it's just because we were so hurt. We we were just ping ponging hurt off of each other and just continuing to hurt each other multiple times. And none of us are innocent in this game. And I'm just really glad to say that, like, I have a relationship with all a good relationship with all of my family members now. And, um, and specifically my dad, I love my dad. He has shown up for me and I'm going to get emotional and I'm glad I have this sponge. Um, he has shown up for me and, you know, after having my kids, um, having, becoming a parent has really undertaken me a lot of the times because of our situation with the military and just not expecting what parenting would be. And both of my parents, not just my dad, but my dad really showed up and saved me multiple times when it really mattered. And, and I don't know if he even understands. I don't even know if he understands, um, the gravity of that. So of that selflessness, because I never had that 
he never showed that once that I mattered. But, uh, you know, after we rebuilt our relationships, and especially after I had kids, he just, he stepped up. And he wasn't my father anymore. He was my dad. He was the man that he always needed to be for, for me. And then, too, watching with my kids has just healed a lot of me because I always knew that he had... I always wished, I guess. I didn't know, but I always wished that he had that love inside of him. And then I actually get to see him show that to my kids. And that's just... I don't think he understands the gravity of what that means to see that and to feel and to feel that love because of where we were. I didn't mean for this to go south. <laughs> and, and it is kind of bittersweet in a sense because, you know, now seeing who he is today, like I... I was like, well, where was that when I was growing up and when I needed it? Why did I have to get, why did I have to get the negative parts of him? And it wasn't always negative, but it was, it was hard to navigate him when he was a narcissist. And I didn't even, you know, it's only been since I've been an adult that I really understood you know, narcissism and all the different things that come with that. So, um, I just want me and my dad's story to be a story of hope because if you're in the middle of what I was in with a narcissistic parent, um, I just want you to know that there are stories like mine. It doesn't always happen. It's not always a happy ending like what happened with mine. But I want to give you that hope that um, that they can change, but it has to 100% be on them. And because you will never be able to change a narcissist, you will never be able to change any of that. It's never been about you per se. And I'm just very, very glad that my dad did whatever he could to to get his family back. I, I'm glad that he found us important enough, found me important enough to have a relationship and fight for us and fight for his life too. So, um, and he just was able to bring in, I mean, he has a great relationship with my kids. He has an amazing wife. I love my stepmom. And, um, and yeah, I just, I, I didn't think that this was ever going to be possible. I thought I was, I was going to have to cut my father out of my life. So I just want to give you that hope that it can happen, that you can rebuild, that they can change, that second chances sometimes do work out. But also knowing that, you know, things are not guaranteed in this life. And sometimes you have to cut toxic people out of your life, whether or not they're your family or even your parents or your siblings. Oh, God.
This went in hardcore, guys. I really apologize. I'm glad I have a spot. I need to keep this beauty blender with me. Uh, we need to lighten this up. <laughs> so let's go into some funny videos of more dudes doing dude things. All right, here we go, guys. <laughs> Did you guys ever pop a nut? No, but I have busted a couple. Hi, I'm Brian, and I'm 12. Hi, my name's Blake, and I'm 9. <laughs> oh, 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 I love you. haven't watched uh, Justin Danger Noonie, Nunny on, uh, I don't, oh my god, he cracks me up so much. He has the funniest, like, reaction videos. Oh my god, please, please watch, please. This one is just, oh, fantastic dudes are really, I mean, they're up in the game on this, ladies. We got to get it together because, oh my God. Here we go. Day two of me drinking no urine. It's going pretty well. I did want to have a sip earlier just to taste the flavor, but no, I'm having a little break. Having a little break is making me too manic. Oh, gross. Yes, that is correct. Uh... This man is on day two of not drinking his own urine. Like, what is that one show that was on TLC? The, like, weird addictions or whatever. Ooh. Oh, and that first one, in case you aren't watching, that first one, they've been having... I don't know if you've ever heard of the liver king, but he eats only meat, basically. Anyway, there's this video going around about them eating, like, testicles and in that first clip, it was talking about, or the guy was holding up a, a testicle or whatever, talking about, have you ever, you know, popped a nut or whatever it's called? And it means, like, he's taking the testicles, like, out of the sack and everything to eat it. So, yeah, that's, oh, God, why would you drink your own urine? Like, like, that's expelling, like, that's... When we have poop and pee, that is the excess stuff that our body is getting rid of that it can't use. So why would you drink it? I don't know. There's some people that say that there's like medicinal properties. And I'm like, no, there is absolutely not. <laughs> That's why we're expelling it from our bodies, guys. Uh, and this is a very, oh my God. This is a very, 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 very fantastic guy. Here we go. I found out that he dresses like that all the time. I was like, wow, he takes us farther than I thought he did. Often I spend so much time working on the tops that I don't realize that the girls are looking at my tights. Being Peter Pan, I can stay childlike despite whatever age I happen to be. I do everything I can to look young. I still have a haircut for a four-year-old. It doesn't stop at the clothes for Randy. He's even altered his physical appearance to look like Peter Pan. I do fuss with my hair a lot, and I do have my little beauty secrets about it, and so that's as far as I'm going to go about my hair. It is what it is, and it grows out of my head. Breakfast of Champions and Peter Pan. Just looking like Peter Pan isn't enough for Randy. He models his regular diet after a parentless six-year-old. I eat a lot of never food. I eat a lot of junk food. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, we need to have, like, a mental disorder <laughs> episode. 
because that is obviously something something has snapped something is not okay um but yeah anyway oh god here's here's okay here's the last one <laughs> you never laid down on a bed butt naked and spread eagle while a fan blows sweet fairy kisses on your cock and taters you're just missing out on key points of life you gotta live your life people you gotta live your life I mean, I guess words to live by. I don't have a cock and tater, so good times. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So I also wanted to go through. There's this uh, thing that I saw um, that I wanted to share. And it's eight life lessons we can learn from our dads. Um, first lesson is learn what you love. Uh, learn everything about what you about everything you can about what you love, and no one can take that away from you. I had a wonderful career in television, engineering, Clifford Whitney. So that is a really good, I guess, a good lesson. Leave some wiggle room. Oh yes, my dad told me not to tighten the screws on furniture that needed to be assembled until it was fully put together. At the time, I thought that was to give me some wiggle room to align everything or in case I had used the wrong part. In hindsight, I think it was about major life decisions. Make your decisions, but don't tighten the screws until you're sure everything is aligned and in the right place. Oh, that's pretty deep. Um, I think that's just, yeah, wow. That's, that's a pretty deep one. And I think that's pretty self-explanatory. You have options. My dad says the only thing we can't fix is death. 100% true. For everything else, there's always a way. This has always helped me put problems into perspective and remind me that even if something feels totally hopeless, there is always a way out. I definitely remember feeling like just hopeless in my 20s, trying to figure out like my purpose and just kind of flailing and philandering everywhere. So uh, I think that's a, that's a great lesson. Don't let fear guide you. Never be afraid to do something you want to do unless it's unsafe, immoral, or will hurt someone else. This was most important lesson I received from my dad. I still try to live by these wise words and believe they have served me well. Have you ever heard, like, you know, if you're afraid of it, it you know, I don't know, like, like going through something with the fear, like letting the fear be a part of it because it can motivate you and help you. Sometimes it can help you propel. Sometimes it can be, you know, a toxic thing or more on the negative. Um, but sometimes having fear like really makes you go for it. And then you get this greater feeling inside once you've accomplished what that fear is. <clears throat> Wear layers. From my dad before going to an outdoor football game, if you aren't sure how to warm how warm to dress, wear extra clothes. You can always take them off, but you don't but if you don't have them, you can't put them on. I think that can be like <laughs> I think that could be a little bit deeper, but let's just take it for. Use your headlights. When I was learning how to drive, my dad told me that if I ever wonder whether or not I to put my headlights on. I should just do it. I think this applies to driving and to life. If you wonder whether or not to do something, but there's no actual downside, just do it. That's a good one. I like that one. 
don't try and control. My dad has always said you can't control most things in life. You can't control the weather or the traffic or even other people, but you can always control your attitude. That's a good one. And make new friends. I was a lonely young married transplant due to career choices. We were military and called home far away from Alabama's. Daddy's response was try to make new friends and accept all invitations. You never know what might develop and when you open yourself up to new and new people and experiences. He also believed that occasional impromptu drop-in visits to close friends were not rude. Spontane- spontaneity sometimes pays off in friendships. I think that's a good one. Um, it's definitely a good one. And I definitely wanted to go through because, you know, you know we can't go through without somebody, some celebrity causing controversy. And apparently, (laughs) Michael, what is, I think Michael Douglas ended up freaking the whole, God, this is the world we live in and I can't handle it anymore. Like, y'all need to just, like, chill, chill the fuck out. Like, this is to a point where it's just absolutely ridiculous. So, he had a sweet little... He had a sweet little post on Instagram. He has a table full of just crazy amounts of of food. And he's sitting there with his two kids. And it just says, Happy Father's Day to all. Peace and love. And obviously, Catherine Zeta-Jones, his wife, is taking the picture. And the internet lost its fucking mind because they're going on about, you know, there's people starving and blah, 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 blah. They're going on and on about people starving in whatever country and they you know it's just this like what is it like show of money and all this other crap it's just oh my god I can't I can't I can't with the people with the generation right now you guys I am so over you I am so over all of this like woke shit like get over yourselves this man is having brunch with his children with his family like go fuck yourself Go fuck yourself. And uh, anyway, so poor Michael Douglas. Beautiful picture. Oh, going on to the next. This is probably the most heartbreaking. Um, Bruce Willis, you know, obviously he's going through dementia and all this stuff. So his daughter posted, um, or his wife, I mean. Uh, Father's Day is a time to get to reflect on my deep appreciation and respect I have for Bruce as I watch him father our little ones. Where it might not be conventional, what he is teaching them will span generations. Unconditional love, kindness, strength, compassion, patience, generosity, resilience. Happy Father's Day to the greatest dad I know who will forever be a gift that keeps giving within our family. Ugh. This is just so sad because he's just going to get to a point where he's deteriorated so much that he just won't even, he won't even be able to do anything. It's so sad. And then, of course, Kurt Russell (laughs) with all of his grandkids. Um, We love you, Pa, the happiest Father's Day to the amazing man. Love you. So if you don't know, Kate Hudson is his stepdaughter. And that's all that good stuff. And, you know, we can't. We can't do celebrities without the the Jenner Kardashian clan. So here's all the dads. So we have Robert Kardashian. We have Rob, the son. Obviously, Kanye West, who we're not going to acknowledge. Tristan, Travis, 
Hook, Caitlyn Jenner. I've never liked Bruce or Caitlyn, sorry. Uh, and then there's Travis Barker, obviously, and Scott Disick. Blah, 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 blah. We're not going to focus on that. Okay, this is the man. I would leave my husband for in 2.5 seconds if he asked me to. Uh, <laughs> love you, babe. Uh, yeah, so David Beckham with his kids. I mean, these kids are gorgeous, too. Good God. That man. Oh, right there. I mean, all those tattoos. Give me a tattooed man and I'm I'm good to go. <laughs> and I've, I'm an OG uh, Spice Girl fan. So, you know, of course, I love Victoria. And then Cardi B and Offset with the kids. Very cute. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what they're saying, but we don't need to listen. Anyway. And then, of course, Justin Timberlake. Big Justin Timberlake stan with him and his brood. Jessica Biel did a little post. Very cute. And <laughs> the Schwarzeneggers and Chris Pratt, which is, like, so weird that they're, like, all in the same family now. But um, I guess I did want to touch on a little bit you know, if here at the end, like, this is just a message to my dad. <laughs> um, I love you very much. I love how far both of us have come. I love how compassionate and selfless and how loving and supportive you have been to me and my family. And I just look forward to every moment that I get to spend with you. And I'm so glad that you're my dad. And I wouldn't have changed it any other way, even though I probably would have changed situations. But, um, yeah, um, I appreciate you and I love you. And for those of you, I know Mother's Day, Father's Day, holidays are just really hard for people who have lost. Um, just know that, you know, there you're not alone per se. Um, there's many of us that have lost. and. Um, to those of you who are still struggling for that relationship or in the middle of a toxic relationship, I just hope that you can one day find peace with yourself because no matter who it is, you don't need toxic people in your life. And I hope that you can one day get to a place where you can have that healing and move forward and live your best life. Um, so I thought we would go out on a really, um, really sweet clip um of the most of the most fantastic men um and it just it brings a smile it brings a smile to my face and we also had um Juneteenth uh, which if you're not familiar with um you really need to do your research and you need to look it up um anyway so with that being said, I really appreciate you guys watching this, and let's end on a really good note. Oh my God! I'm frolicking! Why y'all ain't tell me we was frolicking? I'm still frolicking. Oh, we frolicking? That's what we do? We frolicking? Let me get my frolic on. Oh, oh. <laughs> I seen the video, I had a frolic in the field with the motherfucking AC. <laughs> Life is so good. Oh my God. <laughs> <I'm> so <lucky. laughs>
time. We was, we was like, we was uh, frolicking, nigga. We frolicking, bro. We frolicking. Shit. Meeting is in session. Thank you all for joining the TAABF. And we about to get in all this frolicking. Black boy joy is back. Black man frolicking. <laughs> we're frolicking. Yes, we're frolicking. It's about to frolic. Go do that thing. I'm frolicking, niggas. So they're encouraging black men to frolic. Yay. Well, happy past Juneteenth, everyone. Um, everybody deserves freedom and to live the life that they want to live with respect, with protection, with all of the things that every human deserves, um, no matter what your skin color, your nationality, your financial status, whatever. Um, cheers to living in unity, hopefully one day. <laughs> I appreciate you guys um, watching this video. And if you're not already following me, um, just hit the little subscribe button. If you're on the YouTubes, you can also subscribe and follow me on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts if you want to just listen. Um, and yeah, I really appreciate you guys. Um, sticking in with me on this one. Um, happy Juneteenth. Happy Father's Day. I love you guys. And I will see you next Friday. I post every Friday. So within reason. <laughs> All right, guys. Love you. Bye-bye.